Welcome to Cool Explorations. I am your host, Tony Peters. Today we're going to be talking to Pastor Joe Sorgan about the key verses in the Bible segment from Ephesians 2, 8-9, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your, your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And we're going to be t taking a look at what this verse means, uh, what it really means, as we hear it quoted so often and people don't really get the meaning, uh, as well as what the f focus of Christians should be because of this verse and how we can apply this verse to our lives as Christians. Welcome to Cool Explorations. I am your host, Tony Peters. Today we do have Pastor Joe on, and he is going to talk to us about a key verse segment here from Ephesians 2. 8 to 9, which I did already read for you, uh, but we'll probably recap that here. Uh, and Joe, why don't you just briefly just explain a little bit about who you are, um, as we've not had you on the show before. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, uh, as as you mentioned, Pastor uh, Joe Sorgen, and um, I'm a, an associate pastor here uh, in Swift Current at Church of the Open Bible, and work predominantly with youth, but do quite a bit of other stuff too, just general pastoral duties. Been here for getting close to three years now and have uh, I've really loved it and just love being in ministry and uh, just having opportunities to equip the church and uh, share the gospel with those who don't yet know the Lord as well. Yeah. yeah and that is so important is, is equipping and uh, the call to action of getting us out and, and sharing God's word with other people. Cause that is, that is what we're called to do in the Bible. The great commission. Jesus tells the disciples that's what he's there to do. And he commands us to do the same. Yeah. So, Often when we hear Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, uh, we hear it referenced, uh, but people often don't really use it in the right context uh, or aren't sure what they're referring to. Uh, did you maybe want to read the, those verses uh, just to recap uh, that and then explain what these verses really mean uh, as they're loaded with a lot of information? Yeah, for sure. So uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 8 to 9, I'm reading from the ESV here, and it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And something I like to do when we look at a verse or a couple of verses like this is kind of break it apart bit by bit, piece by piece. So if we look at the first kind of part of those verses where it says, for by grace you have been saved, there's a couple of questions that we have to ask right away. Uh, one question is, what is grace? Um, and uh, there's many different definitions that are, are given for that. Lots of times people will say grace is uh, is something that is given that you don't don't deserve. Um, and so in that sense, it's like a gift. Uh, lots of times a definition that's used is unmerited favor. And both of those definitions are perfectly fine. They're, they're great definitions to define what grace is. It's being given something that you don't deserve. So for by grace, this gift, you have been saved. So then the question about this is, well, what, what do we need saving from? Uh, you know, what, what's this all about? Well, we actually have to go back in Ephesians chapter 2 to see what it is that we have to be saved from. And Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 defines that for us very well. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So what we need saving from is the fact that uh, we're dead, dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins. In other words, we are spiritually dead. We are basically, obviously, we're all walking around, but inside, our, spiritually, we are separated from God. Uh, we don't have right relationship 
right fellowship with God. And uh, instead, we're uh, defined as enemies of God here. Uh, we're following after the prince of the power of the air, uh, Satan. And that's, that's where people are, are at. And uh, they're sons of disobedience, uh, carrying out these desires of the body, doing whatever we see as fit. And then it says, and we're nature, uh, by nature, children of wrath, meaning that we deserve this wrath of God because we are opposed to him. And so that is what we need saving from. Uh, and that is crucial to understand here. And so by God's grace, this unmerited favor, he has provided a way for us to be saved from that where we once were, um, that the fact that we were once enemies from God. And then uh, in, in verse 8 again, it moves on and, and it tells us a little bit about how we get to experience that grace. Because it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is crucial here. And then again, we have to ask the question, well, what is faith? Um, and lots of times uh, in, in Christian circles, we hear these kind of synonyms used for faith. Believe would be one. Uh, another one would be to, to trust in. I think, again, both of those are really important things to understand because a believe isn't just something that we believe in our heads. That is part of it for sure. Um, but we also have to believe in our hearts. And that's where that trust comes in. You know, we, we're not just coming to some sort of intellectual assent that, uh, oh, yeah, like, uh, I guess, like, Jesus is is real or something like that. Um, no, that's, that's not all that it is. Um, it's also this trusting in God for salvation. And, uh, and that's what we do when we believe in, when we receive this grace by faith. We are trusting in God to provide the salvation that we need from the fact that we are enemies of God, followers of Satan, all of those things that were unpacked in the first three verses. And of course, you know, the Bible unpacks very clearly for us how God has provided this gift. That's through uh, Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And that just goes to show, as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 goes on to tell us, that it's not our own doing. This, this isn't something that I have earned. It's not something that you have earned. It's not something anybody has earned. It says it is the gift of God, which really is what grace is. It is a gift of God. It's something that he has given us that we have not deserved at all. You know, I haven't been saved because of anything I've done. It doesn't matter how much good I could do. You know, I could feed millions of people. I could, you know, solve world hunger. Uh, doesn't matter. That's not what saves me. Uh, it, it, that's that's not going to provide salvation for me or for anyone else. The only way we can obtain this salvation is through this gift, this gift of grace that God has provided for us. It's not a result of works that no one may boast. And that just goes to show that we we can't brag on our own ability to do good, to be righteous. The Bible makes it very clear no one is righteous, no, not one. It's, it's God alone who is righteous, and it's his work that brings us into that righteousness, that, that saves us by his grace, not anything that we uh, could have ever done to, um, to earn that. And so that's just, I mean, that's a really brief overview of, of really what that verse is, those verses are referring to, this grace that we have received um, from God, not that we've earned it, but he's given to it, uh, given it to us freely. Yeah, and there's... Um... A few things uh, that I can definitely take from that, and that is uh, the the faith. It, it's a full commitment, and that really 
helps us differentiate from a lot of other religions where you don't necessarily have to commit. And that's why Christianity, I don't like to think of it as a religion, but it, people call it underneath that religion category. It's more of a theology, but we have to fully commit. We can't be lukewarm and, and just come into it. We're not born into it. Uh, unlike a lot of other beliefs where you are born into it, you're considered a Jew or you're considered uh, Muslim or many other examples, just because you were born into it. Catholicism is a big one for there too. And that just shows, uh, again, another differential, not by works. So we can't earn our way into salvation, unlike what many other belief systems will have you follow. You have to work your way, you have to do good things in order to get in, or in some extremist areas, you have to do an extreme act um, of terrorism or whatever in order to get in to heaven, uh, their version of heaven. Uh, and it is interesting how all belief systems really have this sense of heaven and hell, uh, whether they call it the same things, there's still that same concept. And so it's you're trying to work so you're not ending up in in hell. You're ending up in this this place of glory or Valhalla or, or any other names that they want to put on heaven. But I think it's really interesting that Christian, Christianity is like, no, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's straight up, straightforward. You don't deserve it. God has given his son to help us there. And then that brings us to the cross which with the cross i always say the cross is our crossroads it, the you get to the base of the cross you walk up that cross you get to the three pathways you can either take the pathway that follows satan or you can take the the straightforward pathway that is is going to take you straight to to christ and you can follow him or there is the the path that goes to the the other side uh, and that is going to lead you uh sort of into a lukewarm faith you're, you're you're florida following but you know you're more doing your own thing instead of following christ uh which in the end god's going to either he's going to give you make you make a choice are you going to actually follow me or are you going to continue down this path of lukewarm faith uh and so that i really love uh, how ephesians 2 8 to 9 really ties into into that kind of analogy um and that's an analogy i've seen used before and i i really love that analogy of the cross um, because it, it is our crossroads uh, and we can choose to follow Christ and the cross is our bridge. It's the, the bridge that Christ has given us. So now that we've looked at what it means, why are these verses important for us to know as Christians? Uh, how are they going to shape us? Yeah, well, I think one thing that you have already pointed out that, and I totally agree, like this difference between a Christianity and any other religious or faith group um, and that is God's grace, because simply that is something that this this idea of being saved totally 100% by grace is not present in any other religion, uh, right? And so um, that, that's part of why this verse is so important to us as Christians. It's so that we recognize, oh man, like, this is amazing. Like, can you, can, can you even imagine, you know, being in a different you know, religion where I do have to earn my way. And it's, and if you have to earn your way to salvation, how do you ever know that you've done enough to get there? Like there's no, there can't really be any assurance. Uh, you know, it's like, I, okay, I know I need to do A, B, C, D, but then it's like, but then there's still a long list of other things that I, sh I know I should be doing. And you never know. Whereas when it's, when it comes to the Christian faith, you have to ask one question, 
have I put my faith in Jesus Christ? Oh, I have. I'm good to go. Like that, that's as simple as it is, right? There's this amazing assurance that uh, a verse like Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 um, gives us because it, it simply is by God's grace through faith that we put uh, in in him. Uh, another thing too is just considering the, the entire context of Ephesians chapter 2, I think it shows us why this verse is so important for us as Christians. Um, just the reminder of where we once were and where we are now. And I think biblically there's this huge importance in remembering, uh, remembering what God has done for us. And I think reading Ephesians 2, it does just that. It does remind us quite quite simply of what God has done for us, where we were dead in our sins. And then, and then verse 4 comes along and says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So we we were brought from death to life. And like, that's just amazing. And to remember that, to remember that God has done that for us by his grace, unbelievable, right? Uh, and we didn't earn it. And it's I think it's just so hard for us to fully understand and comprehend this idea of grace because uh, our our lives, just the world that we live in, runs mostly on a merit system, right? It's like if you if you work hard, you're going to earn more money. Uh, if you train more, you're going to get better. You're going to receive this, you know, this gift of improving. If you practice harder, you're going to win more games, and on and on and on we can go, right? Do such and such to earn favor. But that that's not the gospel, though. That's not what Ephesians two eight and nine tells us. It tells us there's nothing you can do to earn this favor. It's not this merit system. It's simply, here's a gift, receive it. And that, that, that is mind-blowing. Now, unfortunately, that merit system that we see in the world has, um, has snuck its way uh, into some churches in, in subtle ways and some less subtle ways. And I think we need to be very aware of that. And this is why these verses should be so important to us as Christians. You know, whether that, that be something like uh, baptism, you know, water baptism, uh, in some uh, in some Christian groups, um, it has been said, and this has mostly been majority of churches don't agree with this, but uh, you you have to be baptized in order uh, to be saved. Well, isn't baptism a work? Yeah, yeah it other, is. Others go so far as to say that baptism is your salvation. Like when you're baptized, you're you're saved, and it's like that's not the way it works either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, that's. Baptism is important. It's a work that's extremely important. It's an ordinance of the church. And for sure, once you're a Christian, get baptized. Yeah. I don't want to take away from what baptism is all about and that it's important, but it's not mandatory for salvation because it's a work. Uh, another example would be uh, this idea of um, totally surrendering, um, to, to, to totally surrender your life in order to be saved. Well, isn't surrender a work as well? It is. Now, Again, surrender extremely important as a Christian. We should we should strive for that. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, "If any of you would would uh, follow me, you know, come after me, pick up your cross." Right? There's this idea of this total surrender, but it's he's talking to people who are already following him, to Christians. This isn't something that's mandatory to become a Christian, to become saved. Surrender isn't necessary, but it is something that as Christians we should be striving for because again, surrender. Is, is a work. And so it's not necessary for salvation, though it is extremely important as a believer. But to become a Christian, it, it's just a matter of faith. And there's other examples too. Those are just two that came to the, the top of my mind as 
So I was thinking about these different ways that sometimes this merit system can sneak its way into the church. Whereas if we go back to the text, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we see um, it, it is just a matter of, uh, of faith because of God's grace. And that's such an amazing gift. Yeah, and, and baptism definitely is a, an important step. It's a declaration of your faith is what it is. It's saying, I will follow Christ. Uh, and you're publicly saying, I am a Christian. And through that, it's it's symbolizing that you're being washed clean and that you're coming up new, uh, a new creation in Christ. And for many people, they wouldn't fully understand what Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 means or any other part of, of the New Testament if they hadn't looked at the Old Testament. You look at the Old Testament and then you kind of see exactly why you need this because it really ties in and you're like, oh, Adam's sin. Oh, the Tower of Babel, our pride. Oh, um, Noah, Noah's folly with his sons and and the drunkenness, they're losing control. Uh, and again and again, you can just go through the Old Testament and then you're understanding this is what they're referring to. This is why I need salvation. I am just as guilty of these things as what they are. Maybe not the exact same thing, but similar things. Uh, even things that people miss often uh, are often don't understand our sins. Um, like uh, the greed is one of those things that people oftentimes that they really seek after because that's what society, as you mentioned, teaches us is success. It is that money. And uh, that's the indicator of success. And uh, I've said in the past, but I'll say it again, for us as Christians, we have a different measure of success. Our success depends on Christ, depends on the leading of the Holy Spirit. How well are we following what Christ has taught us? How well are we at repenting and trying to confess our sins to Christ, not to a priest, not to anybody else, not to Mother Mary, but to Christ and admitting we are guilty sinners and that he needs to wash us clean. That's our measure of success is solely based on Jesus Christ, his teachings, our following of his teachings and how the Holy Spirit is guiding us and how we're following the Holy Spirit's leading. So that uh, is is our measure of success. And the Great Commission is part of that. Uh, and being equipped, equipping ourselves, uh, putting on the armor of God, uh, as is as is stated uh, in in the Bible as well, and so we need to change the way that we're focused on success, and and really just change our mindset so we actually have a Christian measure of success and not the worldly measure of success. So I think that that is is extremely important. Um, and Ephesians two eight to nine really does sum this up. And I love that you. You're bringing in the full context of it. You're bringing in the verses before it because I, I hate it when people just read one or two verses yeah. and they're like, that this is what it is. And it's like, no, what, what's the verse before it? What's the verses after it? What's the section it's in? Like the full context because anybody can take a verse and make it mean what they want it to mean. Yeah. yeah. But the Bible is pretty clear on, on what it means. Uh, you just have to actually look at the full context and not take verses out of context. So for Christians, how do we take and apply Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 to our everyday lives and our walk uh, with Christ and with other believers uh, as a church body? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question, because if we're if we're Christians already, then we know that this this truth, uh, we've already received this grace and and uh, this salvation. But I think as Christians, we can still be prone to have a mindset into um, where, where we think that we are earning God's favor. 
uh, even by you know what we do. And so, for example, uh, a Christian might strive to do good things to show God, God, you did a really good job in choosing me because I'm going to show you how good I am, right? And uh, almost this idea of post salvation showing God that I I did earn it, uh, I did earn this salvation. Uh, you know, we're we're still attempting to boast in our own abilities. Then when we do that, and the whole point of what this passage is telling us is that we're not good enough, you know, and that's okay. It's okay that we're not good enough. We can rest in that. We don't have to try to do things to prove to God that he made the right choice by, by dying for me and saving me by his grace. Um, rest in his grace. It's okay. You know, we, we don't have to show God that he, he chose us and that was, that was the right thing to do. God knows. <laughs> God knows that uh, in, in dying for me, that was a gift that he wanted to provide for, for me, for, for all of us. Right? And that's not to say that we don't do good works. Uh, the issue more so is the motivation behind the good works. Right, Even if we read on you know, uh, verse 10 here in Ephesians 2, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So clearly, good works are still important. But our motivation for doing those good works isn't to show God that he made the right choice. right, And that, you know, I did earn my salvation, God. Look at what I'm doing. The motivation instead is that, wow, God, you have saved me. You have done so much for me. You have sacrificed everything for me because this gift is free for me, but it was the, the highest price was paid in order for me to receive this gift. And that price was, uh, was of course, Jesus. And so if, if God was willing to give up everything for me, then surely because of that amazing gift I've received, I should be willing to to do for him because I love him and because he loves me. And that's that's really key here. Doing good works is awesome, but our motivation behind why we do them is really key. And you know, our heart attitude. If we're if we're doing good works with a you know a grumbling heart, a grumbling attitude, that's no good. Uh, if we're again, if we're doing it just to try to prove to God he made the right choice, that that's not the best thing either. What is best is when we just dwell in the fact that God loves us. And as a result of that love, we too love him and seek to do good to please him, uh, which is which is right and is good. Um, but um, it's not just to, to prove that that he died for a good guy because he didn't. He died for a bunch of bad guys. Um, and and we can we can rest in his grace and uh, we, we can't boast in our works. As as it says here in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, if I boast, you know, we, we can't boast in ourselves. First Corinthians 1 verse 31 says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And that that is so true for us. We need to recognize as much good as we do, it's not about, you know, boasting in our own ability. It's ultimately still about boasting in the Lord. Look what God has done for me. And uh, and that's so key. And I think that's that's how we can apply this to our lives. Just having that right thinking, that right motivation about the good works that we do and recognizing we have no reason to boast in whatever good that we do. Ultimately, it still comes down to, and this is what God has done for me. And that's that's so, so important for us as believers to to recognize and remember. Yeah, and it comes out of that, like you say, mindset, having that that proper focus and, and mindset and changing it so that we're not thinking about ourselves. We're not doing things just to make ourselves feel better because that's a, a lot of people do good things because it makes them feel better or because it's a tax write-off that we're yeah. giving money. Um, or uh, companies, we we have our our people doing good things, volunteering because it makes us look better as a company. 
uh, because it gets our name out there as a company, which I mean, not, not a terrible thing, but at the same time, is that really why you should be doing it? You should be doing it because you actually have a desire to help because God has called us to help the least of these. And really, uh, we as Christians do tend to fall into that trap uh, as well. Like we think, oh yeah, we are doing, like I said, we're doing all these good things, Lord. Uh, you recognize all these good things I'm doing. And it's like, okay, so now you've done these good things, but what did you forget? You forgot pride. You forgot about that pride yep. and uh, you've let that creep in. So keeping that proper mindset really helps you focus and, and be like, okay, I'm doing these things for Christ, for his glory. Everything is, should be for the glory uh, of God. And I, I'm doing it not for myself, not because it makes me feel good, but because God has called me to do this and we are called to love our neighbor. And if we're loving our neighbor, then we are going to want to help them. And uh, it's the same with uh, sharing the gospel. If you really love someone, you're going you're gonna to try and share the word of God with them. Uh, that's not to say be extremely pushy and, and, and try it because that can turn people away. But doing that again for the right reasons, because mm -hmm. I want to further the kingdom of God, because I love God and the Holy Spirit is moving me to do this. And remembering it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit, it's God because oftentimes we do we think of it as as myself and even with the podcast sometimes it's like it's like oh yeah yeah it's expanding it's great and then i'm just like okay well i couldn't control that i couldn't control that i couldn't control that so yeah. it's recognizing what well, god's done these things because i have no control over it so only god can be directing it where it needs to go i'm just a tool a vessel to be used by the holy spirit uh to plant the seeds that the holy spirit does the watering and god does the soul harvest uh, it's it's nothing that that I've done. It's what the Holy Spirit has done through me, and the, allowing yourself to be that tool. Uh, and that turn, turns right back to here, where your mindset has to be right, and your focus has to be right. And Paul compares it to running a race, and mm -hmm. uh, a race is not necessarily meaning that we're doing this because we want to defeat other people. That's not what it is. You're running a race against yourself, basically. You're running it for god and it's your journey with god and during that race you've faltered you've fallen christ has picked you up he's carried you on so the race is a race for yourself and people often misinterpret that to mean uh that you know you're racing against other people and you're trying to be better than other christians and it's like no that's not what it's about you're not comparing yourself to other christians it's you and your relationship with christ so thank you for uh explaining these verses to us. Uh, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to add before we uh, sign off here? I, well, I suppose just one thing that, that just came to mind, you know, just thinking about this merit and things that the, the system of merit that we see in the world and how it's true. Our salvation is not based on merit, but the Bible does talk actually about doing good works and receiving reward for it, not receiving salvation, but there is this concept of, of heavenly rewards that we as Christians receive for doing good works. Not that that's necessarily the main motivation for why we do these things, as you were just saying, right? We want to do them with a right heart, with a good attitude um, for God. But there is the reality that it's just like a, a credit card that has a reward system. We too actually have this heavenly reward system where we will we will be given heavenly rewards uh, based on uh, on some of the good that we do. Now, then Revelation comes along and says we cast our crowns before the, the Lord anyways. So maybe those rewards ultimately don't matter. But there is still, it's just interesting to note that it's not like these good works are 
are like for nothing. You know, there is actually this a reward that comes to us because God recognizes our good works and says, yeah, well done. Like, that's awesome. Uh, and so well it's done, not good and faithful servant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, we do it to please God and we don't get anything out of it. Again, that's not the main motivation, but the reality is there is still this reward that comes, which is uh, just a, kind of a, a neat side note, but important yeah. to note as well. Yeah, and it's also important to know that we don't know what those rewards are going yeah. to be. And and what as humans, what we grasp right now as earthly rewards, uh, those mean nothing mm-hmm. to God. They mean nothing to Christ. Uh, the rewards that we get in heaven are going to be something we can't imagine here on earth. Yeah. So we need to keep that in mind, that it's not earthly rewards that we're really going for. It is those heavenly rewards. And only God is the one who can determine how those awards are being delved out and uh we need to just seek to be those good and faithful servants uh who follow christ and uh love the lord with all of our heart soul and mind uh and uh, i think it's it's a great to to take note of these things to really understand these things and uh mm-hmm. to delve deeper into the bible and uh, if you really want to delve into ephesians uh chapter 2 uh, verses 8 and 9, I do encourage you to look at the whole chapter, uh, even look at all of Ephesians, because Ephesians is full of great nuggets of wisdom that, that you know, it's it's all these letters to the churches that Paul writes. It's just like these these wonderful things. And then Peter adds in his own letters, and you just get this this full grasp of how Jesus Christ shaped these people and turned them into what they are and what they've become. And they recognize that they are worthless without Christ, that they can't do these things on their own. And they say it, uh, both Peter and Paul, in, in many of their uh, epistles that, that they write in many of the these these church letters. Uh, so I, I would encourage people to just take a look and study a lot of these, mm-hmm. because it'll give you a full grasp of, of what the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are talking about and how it reflects into your own life. Uh, just take a look at all these things. So thanks for sharing with us today, Joe. I've really, really appreciated it. Uh, I'll have to have you on again to, to take a look at another segment. For sure. That'd be fun. Thank you for listening to Cool Explorations. You've just heard Pastor Joe Sorgan talking about Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, and how we can apply this verse to our lives and in order to really understand how to apply it to our lives. He has shown us that we really need to know what it means in the real sense of this word, the real context. And once we've done that, then we can really focus our lives properly due to this verse. If you would like to reach me for any reason, you can do so at tpeters745 at gmail.com.